Yo, what's up? This is Mikey Dab, and welcome to The Hype Report. Each week, we recap the biggest stories from Hypebeast directly from the minds of the editorial team. I'm here to connect the dots. Let's get into this week's show. How you doing? This is Felson Sahanis, senior editor at Hypebeast, and today we'll be talking about the Travis Scott Air Jordan 6. Oh, there was a big sigh. What's up? The big sigh is like the highly anticipated retro Air Jordan 6, Travis Scott, highly anticipated. It's it's definitely one of those things that's just been pushed back and pushed back and pushed back to the point where like I think people are in the streets just like crawling on yeah. sidewalks, like waiting for the shoe to come out of a store. Yeah. So we first saw it at what, Super Bowl this year? Yes. February. Mm-hmm. So it is September now or October. I'm sorry. Another long side. <laughs> so it's, yeah. It's, it's, so it's been a while, but let's Let's talk Travis Scott for a little bit. You Ooh. know, he's having had a he's had a big year, uh, rolling through Astro World for release last year. Uh-huh. The tour kept going this year. Uh, recently, was named one of Forbes's highest paid hip hop acts. I know he's got a little thing with uh, Kylie going well, on right well, now. Well, I don't even want to get into that one. Let's, let's not. I'm somewhat happy. Uh, <laughs> I'm sad. I don't know how to feel about this right yeah. now because I was. Uh, I was a fan for this uh, relationship, but we continue. Yeah, yeah. Highest in the Room single just came out last week, and uh, I think there's like another uh, Astroworld Festival coming in November. Let's let's see what else is going on here. If you haven't caught it, uh, the Netflix documentary. Fire, uh, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, capitalizing off that, we have the Jordan release today, which is... October 11th, so it'll probably release by the time this episode airs. So, yeah, like, what I mean, are your thoughts? He's been he's been uh, quietly killing the sneaker game for quite some time. Um, I'm actually wearing a pair of the Air Force Ones. He's done two of those. Uh, put his little twist on that. I mean, it, and it's hard to make an Air Force One uh, your own, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he killed it with the Air Force Ones. Yeah. Uh, just uh, th- this second pair has the 3M accents in all different colors on the yeah. toe box to the heel. Yeah, Super yeah. dope. Different swooshes, Velcro. Uh, Diable, which is what I did. Um, the Jordan 1, of course, we already yeah. know that that's super fire. And I think that the 6, his take on the 6 is, is clean. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a Jordan. Yeah. How but do you feel about the colorway? I, I like the olive, as a matter of fact. I like the olive, too. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm a big military green fan, so this was like, you know, they just, leaked, just right up my alley. They actually. leaked the friends and family pair also. Well, but okay. Yeah. So I, uh, we actually have a pair here. Yeah. And what we're going to do is just roll it. over it real quick. So they, they said it's very military inspired. Um, I mean, aside from one pocket, let's be realistic. It's not that military inspired. Uh, <laughs> aside from the coloring in the pocket, like I think that's pretty much it on the shoe itself. You have a little, uh-huh. the Travi happy face inside the pocket liner, yep. which most people have seen already. Um, the, I think the color and even the, the OG feel on the red or the infrared hits yeah, makes me very happy as well. So he went like classic with it, but he also added his own little Cactus Jack touch with the cactus colored green. Mm-hmm. It's clean and, and it's his own shoe again, Yeah, which I appreciate. Dare I say the Air Jordan 6 is one of the, let's say kind of underrated, you know, retro Jordans. Low key. It's low key one of the shoes that like, okay, so you have the Olympic, Olympic fire. Yeah. Fire. Uh, DMP pack, super fire. Uh-huh. The, like you, you can go down the line with sixes and kind of be like, okay, um, they have a rich history. Mm-hmm. Even the, uh, the DB sixes, DB sixes fire also. Yeah. So like, and, it, and it's always like one of those things where it's like, you don't see it coming. Oreo six is one of my favorite sixes of all time. And that's like, who likes Oreo sixes? <laughs> it, but it, it's, it's one of the shocker things. They're super comfortable. It's mm-hmm. a great shoe. I, I think it was appropriate as a matter yeah. of fact. How Killed do you, it. How do you feel about the $250 price point? I guess that's been like the price points for these past Travis, like around that area. <sighs> Whenever you get a collaboration, I always have this 
I hear the size again. Yeah, it's a material <laughs> thing. It, yeah. It's definitely a material thing. So like sometimes they compromise the material when it comes to collaborations. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we're going to give you this Travis Scott, super Vanchetta tan leather yeah. thing. And then they bump the price point up. And mm-hmm. then you can look at a GR pair that has the same leather and it costs half the price. Yeah. So then I'm, I'm just paying for the artist's name. Meanwhile, the artist is signed. So like, what's the big deal? But in, in this in this case, the $200 price point did not shy me away from it. I mean, it's not going to shy anybody away. Plus yeah. the resale is there. Yeah. For those people that do like to resell their items, I'm not one of them. Well, yeah, before I stepped in here, like uh, the resale before the release was around 1000 Now it's yes. around 750 Yeah, it, it's so, it's going to fluctuate until the yeah. end of market today. Yeah. I, I call it market because it's, yeah. it's basically it yeah. opened. <laughs> Once they went on sale this morning or people yeah. were walking out of stores, the market was open for them. Yeah. By tonight, when it's all cleared up and there's no more pairs just floating around easily accessible by mm-hmm. people who won raffles and so yeah. on and so forth it'll go back up again this might not be the last travis shoe we see this year you know yeah. there's still some time this the before the year ends before 2019 ends and we could see another yeah travis i want to see jordan the, pair i want to see the breakup ones you know what i'm saying yeah. maybe like a <laughs> like a like a chicago <laughs> colorway for travis scott ones and something hey. commemorate the breakup hey we'll see we'll see you know um yeah, but overall, you know, what's your take? But maybe let's give it a, a rating, a, a grade. Ooh, ooh. A to F, I did F not, to A. I didn't see that coming, as a matter of fact. If yeah. I had to, uh, I'd probably go with like a number score. I'm big on the number scores. Okay, okay. Uh, I would probably have to land this around a good 8.8. Ooh. 8.8, I think, is a solid number as far as colorway goes. Yeah. I don't see any extra laces. I'm a big fan of extra laces, yeah, yeah. like first and foremost. A nice little black or even an infrared lace through here might have been really dope just to break this up and let it pop a little bit. Yeah, uh, I like the translucent. Uh, the material is actually pretty pretty nice considering Nike isn't known for their material. Yeah, uh, The fact that it glows on the outsole, super dope as well. Yeah, I think 8.8 is a solid score for this. Plus, you have a little distressing on the top of the tongue there. I don't know yeah. if you see it in between the, yeah. uh, the plastic oh, yeah, and the inside, it. the canvas yeah, yeah. on the inside. Very, little, very, little, yeah, very, very subtle. Subtle, subtle little hints like that make me make me smile yeah i think i'm around with you on that score uh maybe bumping down a few points what's your what are your deductions sir um i like that it's military green i guess the subtlety is a little too subtle Mm. if that makes any sense it does you know like with the i put this right below you know the jordan ones that just came out because that one just kind of like made a statement with like you know the the larger swoosh swoosh, backwards backwards, it's it's it the hidden pocket yeah yeah it was very it was very travis this was a little bit more nike nike and uh, i haven't really seen kind of travis rock a lot of like military wear Mm -hmm. so this was kind of like uh yeah a little too maybe off key for me but again it's i put it second i Still think it's better than the the fours. Okay, and yeah, the fours? just just below the hmm. the, the ones. Hmm. You know, I didn't think the fours so, were that dope. Yeah, yeah. Not, that's kind of why oh, I left it off there, my list. There, there, there you go. <laughs> so gonna, I I give it a eight, a solid eight. Okay, you know? that's, that's not terrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even like this design here with the pocket and the stash pocket stuff. Like I've seen a couple of pairs of other shoes. Mm-hmm. that uh, might not come out for a little bit that were marketed before these and created before these. Yeah. So I, I like I know where some of this stuff comes from yeah. and I'm a little curious as to how they own that. Yeah. Knowing that like someone else has already tried to like market it on their pair. Yeah. You, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but to do it on a Travis, it's like, okay, we're going to introduce it on Travis, which is what Nike's known for. I'd rather introduce it with Travis. So it's like, oh man, that's dope. Yeah. Now, if I can't get a Travis and I see another shoe that has a stash pocket on it, yeah. guess what? You might as well go outside the box with Travis, you know, that's, that's his thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So straight up. Yeah. yeah. So score eight for me, score 8.8 for 8. you. 8. That's well, a nice little 88 that's, action. It's mm-hmm. not bad. It's a good score. 
All right. I guess, uh, yeah, we could just wrap it up there and we'll, we'll look forward to the next year. Uh, well, I anticipate the next year and break up news. Kylie, I'm here. Uh, <laughs> always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, sir. Catch you later. Have a good weekend. You too. For the latest in footwear news, you can check out Hypebeast Kicks on Instagram or go to hypebeast.com forward slash footwear. I am Patrick Johnson with Hypebeast Music, and today we're going to talk about the ongoing saga, the year-long saga, really, that is Kanye West's Jesus is King and Yandi uh, multimedia, uh, multi-city experience. I, I think to like understand what's going on right now, we kind of got to like stretch back and then jump back into the now. So what we, we had EMI issues. That was... Back in January. Back in January. Okay. And then we had Yandi speculation via Kim Kardashian and Kanye. And now we have Jesus is King. And we don't know what's real, what's up, what's down. So let's try and clarify this a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if it's purposeful or not. I think because of the EMI situation and who owns the, the royalties, the masters, what's really going on with his label situation, that kind of just extended things. But then just the nature of how Kanye records and him being like a perfectionist and a collaborator that things are always changing on the fly. Like even with the life of Pablo, he released it. And then he had that infamous tweet where he's like, still got to fix wolves. And then, you know, weeks after he was still like uploading and changing things on Spotify and title. So up is up, down is down, who really knows? And then things took an interesting twist on towards the, the end of October 7th, uh, earlier this week, when some whistleblower, some leaker uploaded 15 tracks just under an hour of what a lot of people presume is Jesus is King or, or Yandi. I mean, what else could it possibly be at, at this point, you know? And uh, I actually had someone send me, uh, I'm not condoning this at all whatsoever, uh, a YouTube link and it was the live showing, but I couldn't listen to it. I couldn't enjoy it. So I was like, I'm not even gonna do this to myself. But at the same time, like, it's got to be Yandi. I can't do the Jesus King thing. I can't. I, I, don't, I don't see a need to change the name. Well, he's also joked that uh, he's doing the whole Sunday service thing and starting uh, his church and, and doing gospel music for tax exemption, um, which might be a product of his current political affiliation and rantings there. Um, but I don't really want to go into like the substance of the album. I mean, it's good and the leak was pretty polished um but more so just an overview of of who's who's on it um and what we can learn about what's to come from it um you know obviously jesus is king is going to be this whole imax experience which changed from kim's original tweet that it was dropping september 27th the whole imax experience is going to start october 25th and then from there maybe the album releases maybe it's not an album anymore at this point <sighs> I, what was it? Lemonade? Lemonade was dope. I liked when Lemonade came out and it was like an entire soundtrack with the movie to go along with it. That was cool. I mean, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, I'm not opposed to anything. I just want Kanye to be happy, Kanye to release new music, because I feel, I, feel, I feel like the world is a better place when we, when we get that. And uh, the stress that comes with being a hip-hop fan and kind of writing him off and not trusting his musical process um, is, is tough. But a few, a few tracks, there's rumors of a Justin Bieber collaboration, Travis Scott. The Dream, Nicki Minaj, Ty Dolla Sign, uh, Post Malone, Chance the Rapper, ASAP Rocky, and a confirmed Young Thug appearance uh, as well. The way that this particular leak was presented, the leaker got away with it for about six to seven hours because it was under the artist title, Kanye Drop Your Albums, and the album title, Kanye Drop Your Albums, in all caps, and it said the uh, publisher was Fago Records. 
Um, so could be a, a Midwest Detroit kind of uh, link back. A number of the tracks did uh, feature collaborator Ronnie J's um, tagline. So maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not pointing fingers. Um, so. I, that's always like funny to me, but I, it, it's one of those situations. Like if you use like Shazam anywhere or in any store, it picks up what song it is immediately. So if they really wanted to shut it down, they could have. I feel like that's all like, there's no such thing as bad publicity at that point. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like you can put a song on YouTube on your own personal video and within minutes you get a disclaimer saying that that's not your song. So like realistically, if they wanted to, they could attract that a lot faster. In my my opinion yeah yeah it was a pretty impressive leak i think it was really well put together we don't know if these tracks are in the right order or really anything about them but for hardcore kanye stands you can listen to it enjoy it and kind of see like the evolution and the process of what he's going through in real time okay yeah there's a few tracks that you know overtly reference his mental health and him staying at like the psychiatric clinic at ucla um with the track ucla um, that goes into like this really crazy like Pac-Man sample um, that a lot of people speculate is like him being anti-taking medication because it's him like eating pills, I guess, referring mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was an interesting twist of events to the ever ongoing saga. I wouldn't be surprised if we get leaks next week, the week following as we go. Yeah, it's going to continue holiday. until it actually drops. Yeah, exactly. And we're also getting toward the end of the year where, you know, this whole Jesus is King motif, there's going to be a lot of Christian holidays. Um, so a lot are also speculating that Kanye's going to, you know, December 25th, December 25th, yeah. or, you know, unless all of a sudden we're going to get Easter. Which I wouldn't be surprised either. Jeez, another Sunday point. service, isn't yeah. that when it start? Isn't that when Sunday service yeah. started for yeah, Easter? Yeah. So like, yeah. I hope it's not a whole another. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But anyway, I we'll we'll stay up to date. Uh, keep us posted. Thank you for stopping by. Always a pleasure, Pat. Of course. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. If you want to stay up on the latest music news, check out Hypebeast Music on Instagram or go to hypebeast.com forward slash music. Hey, how's it going? Keith is Stiller here, our editor at Hypebeast. Top of the morning, Keith. What's going on, buddy? Going on. Uh, going you? well. Uh, what do we got in uh, art today? All right. So one of the standout news in contemporary art is Kehinde Wiley's 28-foot-tall equestrian statue that has been installed in Times Square called Rumors of War. Hmm. A little backstory on this. So he had an art ex exhibition in... Yes, yeah, so he had an exhibition, a retrospective actually. For those who don't know what a retrospective is, it's a decades-long survey of a particular artist's career and their practice. The exhibition took place in 2016. It was a retrospective at a Virginia Museum in Richmond. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Now, of fine arts. So, and while he was there, he um, noticed that down the block, I believe, there was um, an art exhibit or a statue of a confederate Yes. What, what was the Confederate's name? I, I forget it. General James Ewell Brown. Yeah, and I, I feel like he was taken back by the idea that they would still have that up. Yeah. So that's kind of where the inspiration for this equestrian statue came from? Yes. All right, so let's move forward. It's going to get a little crazy right now. So like most people, uh, you're listening right now on the podcast, I'm a mix, so I'm half black, half Italian. Now, I don't travel outside of New York. Uh, and when I do, it's always like a culture shock kind of feeling, especially when you head towards like Virginia, down south and those areas until you get to Florida. And even certain parts of Florida are a little off, I'll say. Um, this is normal. This is normal that you see things like this or people have that sentiment in the south. 
yes. Confederate States, obviously. Um, it's nice to see that bridging that gap, there's an equestrian statue of this nature and depiction in regards to the social status here in New York. Yeah. I'd like to see it somewhere in the South. They'd probably destroy it immediately, not going to lie to you. But I feel like it bridges a gap that maybe most people don't realize living in melting pots like New York or L.A. or some parts of Florida like Miami. Yes. Uh, what, what is this statue of exactly? Yeah, the sculpture portrays uh, a young black man wearing a hoodie and Nike sneakers. And he's riding this stallion in a very uh, Renaissance classical um, type of pose. And which is very similar to, you know, how those Confederate war um, statues are, especially the one of James Yule Brown. I did a little research mm -hmm. and it's almost has like the same sort of likeness. And this is something that Kahinde Wiley has been doing outside of sculpture world. This is his first public sculpture, his first sculpture ever. Mm -hmm. um, but he's been mainly doing portraits of uh, Victorian era portraits, mm -hmm. very super intricate of uh, people of color, uh, mainly African-Americans, um, donning like Victorian era ensembles. Um, the most standout one was the portrait that he did for Barack Obama, which was displayed at the Natural Portrait Museum. Okay. This, this sort of like subversion has always been in his practice. But when you see it in a sculpture, I feel that it, it becomes more impressionable. It becomes a little bit more emotion charge yeah. um, than seeing it in a painting in that context. It's almost like you reach out and touch it. You can feel it a yeah. little bit more. That 3D element really adds more character to it, so to speak. Like mm -hmm. you can stare at a painting. You put most paintings are inside museums or somewhere hung up. But like being outdoors, walking, and you can be from anywhere, especially since so many people frequent New York, especially tourists from other states and other countries. It's nice to have it right in the heart of uh, such a touristy location. Yeah. Also, just for the visibility alone. I, I don't think it's a very gimmicky type. Sometimes I see art as very gimmicky, depending on like who's doing it or what it's contrived from. But for the most part, seeing something like this, it, it speaks to me on different levels. Yeah. If, if that makes any sense here. So like, like I said, I don't travel that far out of New York for simple reasons. Not, not because I'm like, oh, I'm afraid to go anywhere. It's just because mm -hmm. you have to be aware of social situations in different locations. Yes. It's like, it's like not being from New York and traveling to a part of the New York that you don't know about that you might get mugged in. It's, yeah. it's like, if you don't know about these things, maybe you should pay a little bit more attention. Like, yeah. And uh, I believe there was a quote he quoted. Um, yeah. So he said, um, in regards to the work, art and violence have for an eternity held a strong narrative grip with each other. Rumors of war attempts to use the language of equestrian portraiture to both embrace and subsume the fetishization of state violence. I believe that when dealing with a troubled past and arguably a beautiful future, artists should use every tool in their wheelhouse. What I try to do is say yes to certain aspects of history and I say no to others. Which is actually pretty on point with being clean about feeling a certain way. He's not saying, damn you for being a Confederate state. I'm not saying, damn you for having this statue up. He's saying, you know what? It's time to take my take on this. Yeah. And to update it some, somewhat. I wouldn't say it's not emotion. It's not purely objective or neutral, that statement. I do believe that there are some personal, you know, references that he's evoking, you know, from like his own experiences mm -hmm. as an African-American artist. And what I think this is a very powerful um, sort of placement. Uh, I do agree with you when you're in saying that, especially in Times Square, that's, you know, that's the world's sort of like melting pot. Mm -hmm. Um, aside from Queens. Hey, uh, shout out Queens. But yeah, so you have people from not only different parts of the United States, but people from all around the world. And seeing this uh, statue there, especially the scale of it, it's 28 foot tall. It's definitely going to, you know, trigger some dialogue. 
spark some conversation. It's like going to Philadelphia. If you go to Philadelphia and you go one of those like uh, bicentennial tours, you know, Liberty Bell, and all the statues are of older white gentlemen that were of that time. Yeah. I I think it's good moving forward to have a statue of this nature for the youth growing up. It proves that like you can have something of significance, not just for one culture, but for another culture and create that background to be somewhat stronger, so to speak, you know, there's just deeper meaning to it, I think, more than just the statue itself. And it it proves that there's stepping stones. Yeah. Large stepping stones right now. And with this sculpture, it's temporarily installed in Times Square, but it's going to move to that museum, actually, in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Hmm. Um, so as you're saying, you know, you're talking about the context of the of the statue. It's like, oh, why not put it in the south? Well, it's going to be in the south permanently, um, protected by the museum. <laughs> protected by the museum. Um, so we'll see what happens there when it does, you know, get transported. It's scary to think that that's like um, art. We, we talk about this like every week. It's subjective. You know, it's it's yeah. it's, it's, it's how you want to view it. Um, this one is a little bit more direct, so yeah. to speak. It, it's it's a direct combatant to the other statue that's going to be down the road from where it's going to finally land. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how this turns out. No, same here. And I mean, a lot of people in the comment section of this story were asking the same thing, like, why not put it in the South and, and everything? And it's, and I do believe that that's the conversations that the artist is sort of uh, looking out for and, and wants to spark with, uh, you know, within like creating this work. I mean, it's like self-explanatory. That's how powerful this work is. You know, like yeah. all the art that you see out there, it's just like, oh, it's made out of this material, that, that. It's exploring this, it, it exploring that. And it needs a visual like representation. I, I think once you see it, like it's a little bit easier to kind of, because like I saw like the, the snippet that was there, but then I went into the actual article that was yeah. up. And it's, it, it's more powerful seeing it like in its full like aura. It's crazy. All right, so I definitely want to stay up to date with this specific article. Like, uh, I guess once it closes out and it moves, we'll we'll try and follow up or figure something out on that. But thanks for stopping by. Yep. Taps on the mic. Taps right on now. the mic. <laughs> yeah. I got you later. All right. For the latest in art and design news, follow Hypebeast Art on Instagram or go to hypebeast.com forward slash art. Hi, my name is Emily Engel. I am the business editor at Hypebeast, and today we're going to talk about how Fortnite is being sued by two parents in Canada for creating a game that's essentially what they claim to be as addictive as cocaine. Kind of wild, I'm not gonna lie to you. Really wild. It sounds a little crazy uh, off rip. Uh, it well, does. Let's, let's get some of the facts out there. So what do we got factually? Factually, well, in terms of claims, they're claiming that Fortnite triggers dopamine in the player's brain um, as you know they carry out the battle royale activities of you know shooting people, collecting items, etc. Mm. So in terms of claims, uh, the parents in Canada are also claiming that Fortnite is very similar to the idea of a casino, roping people into playing the games more and more um, through, especially through gambling tactics like loot boxes, which, uh, as many people know, are randomized prizes within games that. The user doesn't necessarily know what's in them, but once they open it or pay real money for it, they find items that will help them with their gameplay. Where most of my rage comes from, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Loot boxes in Fortnite are, are one of those things that just drive me crazy. And I'm an adult. Yeah, I'm an adult. Do you so. purchase them? Oh, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I, I do all of the upgrades for my battle passes. So it was like, oh, what, what level are you in battle pass? Um, 48. Well, it just came out. Yeah, it's because I paid $28 to get the level 48. I know it's not real. 
I know that I can't wear any of these skins. I'm completely aware of that, but I also know how to gauge. Like, okay, right. I, I have, who cares if I'm going to spend 28 bucks? But as a 13-year-old or 10-year-old or 8-year-old, it's kind of hard to justify giving them the means to or having them have to make that decision. You know, yeah. I want to buy this and be cool like everyone else in Fortnite. Exactly. And that's another main issue that people in general are having with Fortnite. There was actually another lawsuit back in June against Epic Games, the creator of Fortnite, um, that basically says that there are no proper parental controls over the game uh, Hmm. to help parents decide whether their child is spending too much, you know, while they're while they're addictively allegedly playing so, so, the game, so you can't see anybody's face inside this room right now because it's a podcast. But the sarcasm level is through the roof on <laughs> my face. So, so basically, what these parents or those parents are trying to say is that there's no way to stop my child from spending my money on that game. Right, but you know, it's kind of reminiscent of video games in the past. Still, you know. Um, which is, you know, what a lot of people are claiming, that this is nothing new. Even when you think back to games like, you know, Mario Kart, <laughs> Mario Party, doesn't whatever. Doesn't matter how far you go back. It uh, doesn't matter how far you go back. But even in a game like uh, Super Mario Party, there are those randomized boxes that you get and you just roll the dice, essentially, theoretically, and see what happens. I and mean, look, look at it this way. So, like, even when there weren't loot boxes and it was just prizes for getting a certain trophy. Mm -hmm. So if you got a platinum level in a game, which means you got, you unlocked everything inside of a game, they would give you a special skin. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, I mean, you know, you're going to get it, but it's how much work you have to do to get said skin. Now they're just making you pay for it because most people didn't want to spend the time to get a platinum skin. Right. I I remember like I've been playing for quite a few years. Uh, PlayStation 2, when it first came out, Uncharted 2 was like one of the first games I ever played, and they had all these skins. And the skins were only unlockable by, you know, killing a certain amount of people or finishing a certain challenge level, and it was difficult. But if they would have told me you could pay 15 bucks for that skin, guess what? I would have spent the $15. Right. So that, that's really like what they've evolved to, and every game does it. Now, they, they also mentioned that um, all of the systems or heads of the systems were going to be telling you how much or what your chances or odds were? Yeah, exactly. So because parents, mostly parents, I believe, um, have been complaining so much about loot boxes and kind of the idea behind them, companies like Sony and Nintendo have all agreed to disclose the odds of actually winning a rare item from the loot boxes because, you know, mostly kids and players of Fortnite are after the loot boxes for rare items. Mm -hmm. And since they don't know the odds, they'll spend X amount to get there. So, uh, yeah, the companies themselves actually came to an agreement to just nip it in the bud and start disclaiming that. I mean, in essence, like if they really want to like do away with uh, the currency for loot boxes, most of these kids stream, which is like a which is a revenue stream for mm-hmm. some of them or a lot of them, thirteen year olds, twelve year olds. If if they have the equipment and the availability to stream via Twitch or YouTube or whatever it is, and they're getting currency from that, they could probably just exchange that. Or it would be smart to have them have the ability to exchange whatever currency they're gaining from Twitch or whatever mm-hmm. for said things, which some companies do do. I know Apex does it. Right. You can get a free skin here or there if you have, if you log into your Twitch account, which is cool. Like that, that makes a little bit more sense to me. But at the end of the day, I think it's the parent's responsibility to kind of gauge, you know, what credit card or what PayPal is linked to the kid system first and foremost. Definitely. And then two, to monitor like once a month, take a look and be like, okay, Xbox took $300 out of my account this month. Why? And then you go to your kid like, hey, what have you been doing? 
and now I have to take the controller away from you. Like that, that to me is the parental control, not so much Epic Games' responsibility to be in your house for you watching your child. So that is definitely the other side of the argument and what a lot of our commenters are actually saying is that it is at the end of the day up to the parent to decide what their child is up to, you know, after school hours and and outside of, you know. Even during school. Even, well, hopefully, no well, one's doing during listen, school. Listen, they just, they just came out with Call of Duty Mobile. And, uh, and if, Mario Kart if, Mobile. Well, let's not even get to Mario Kart. I've been losing my mind at 2 a.m. Um, but like Call of Duty, at two o'clock in the afternoon, as long as I got some services, fantastic. A little multiplayer action. My friends that like, you know, have jobs or whatever, and they're like, hey, listen, are you able to get on COD right now? I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, get on COD mobile. We can wreck stuff. I'm like, whoa, time out. I'll be there in a minute. So. Yeah, but uh, but imagine that as a 13 year old, just having, you know, less developed of a brain. And that's kind of what I would. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but my mom also was a different kind of lady. She would not go for that. Like yeah. even, even having my, like I, I wasn't allowed to have a phone for mm. certain hours. Like if I was around her, my phone wasn't there. Cause like, who's calling you? Mm. Like even now, like it, it's hard to find a situation where a parent isn't using a phone or a tablet as a, as a means to babysit their child. Right. So I, I mean, you're kind of perpetuating that kind of mindset right off the bat. It's true. And it will be very interesting to see, you know, where the next generation goes in terms of that, because they'll be the first kind of raised on an iPad. Oof. I'm not, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> I don't think I'm ready to like be on a train with people who don't say please or thank you. It's true. Yeah. I have a hard time with that. I say thank you to Siri. Actually, I, I do too. Yeah. My, my roommate was just making fun of me for that. Yeah. But like, so like even the way that it's set up there isn't conducive to kind of a relationship mm-hmm. or like a human interaction. It's more or less like you tell automated things what you want and then they do what you need them to do as opposed to human interaction where like you can be like hey excuse me could you pass me that there's no excuse me anymore it's like pass me that like that that little little nuance of having that relationship is gone already oh, i hate it it's interesting because even publications like psychology today are starting to talk about the issue they mm-hmm. even did a profile of a a therapist a psychologist um was recounting a patient she had that spent around they they won 300 Fortnite games within one month which totals could total to be 600,000 minutes hmm. which is a lot of minutes <laughs> for those of you who don't know what well, 6,000 it's a lot of minutes it's a in lot a month. of a lot yeah um you know when paired with school and potential other activities social interaction I, I feel like they use these kind of tests to to propagate or to, to kind of push their agenda only because like the, those, those matches could have been short matches. They could have been, right. you, you know what I'm saying? Like three. And also like, you're not winning every single game, which means you definitely played more than 300 games. And That's yeah, first since, and foremost. Right. And since there's no time limit, as you said, you know, from they, a neutral they, they, standpoint, it, it, they can run, right. They can definitely, I, I think it's like 12 minutes or something like that. If I'm not mistaken, or 12 to 18 minutes would be like a standard match. So you got to think that, that's a rough one. But if you're actually like going through a match and doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is like chasing people down and rushing them, you can get a match done in 10 minutes or eight minutes. So it depends on the, if they're a runner or a fighter. Yeah, yeah, run and gun, or you could be one of those guys at camps. Oh, also blood pressure rising right now. Anyway, uh, anyway, well, I guess we'll stay up to date with this um, and see how, see if they get away with it. Yeah, my main question is, is how will this, <laughs> how will this lawsuit end up affecting the gaming industry as a whole? Because, you know, while Fortnite's being targeted now, um, PUBG, other Battle Royale games, and other games that have loot boxes, 
you know. I mean, EA got attacked for, I believe it was Star Wars, and that I think it was something like 2000 or $2,800 to acquire everything out of their loot boxes. If you wanted every single item, it would cost you $2,800 on top of the game itself. Right. So, like, it's definitely one of those things that they have to find a common ground where, you know, actual money to currency earned in-game via time or challenges or whatever it is kind of equates to what you're receiving. Like the loot boxes should definitely be minimized Mm -hmm. to what those things can do for you. Cause I feel like that's another thing too, is like these kids are are buying the loot boxes one to be cool, but if it's a, if it's an upgrade to your character, which makes you better, obviously like you want it. And that's where I think the draw comes from. Like Fortnite really doesn't give you anything that upgrades your character. That, that's besides you know outfits and dances yeah, it, it's, but it's all physical appearance. i mean it's all facade stuff it's it's nothing that's going to make your character invincible so realistically i feel like that's their justification for being like you don't have to buy any of this right so, and and yeah i mean gaming companies do have a history of kind of evading these accusations mm-hmm. and fortnite has refused to comment on future litigation but publications are guessing that the result will be an added disclaimer for fortnite and other games yeah. basically just stating you know you could get gaming disorder from playing this. And by the way, gaming disorder is now um, a officially thing. a real condition, according to the U.S. Health Association. Which is insane to me, but I, I get so it. That's, I get the, it. that's probably the biggest claim backing this up, is that now gaming disorder is they have a officially a thing, so they have something to go off of. So uh, I will just stay up to date with uh, Hypebeast Gaming in that case. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way to do it. All right, pleasure. Thanks for coming by. Thank you for having me. For the latest in gaming news, follow Hypebeast.com forward slash gaming or follow Hypebeast Gaming on Instagram. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Hype Report. You can find out more about the show and listen to other episodes on Hypebeast.com forward slash radio. You can subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Leave a comment and let us know what you think about this week's topics. You can reach out to me on Instagram at MikeyDab and that's two Bs. And shout out to the editorial team. I'm Mikey Dabb, and thanks for listening to The Hype Report. Any comment, opinion, or suggestion made by any person contained in this episode does not represent Hypebeast in any way, and those genuinely are their individual, personal opinion, and thoughts towards the topic shared.